lions, bears, and destiny. How many of you, when you think of the word destiny and you think of your own future here on on earth or maybe even eternally, want good things or bad things? Good things. You, of course, want good things. But we also know that life brings about bad things, that there are things in in life that pop up. There are hardships. There are trials. There are sorrows. There's sickness. There's death. And so we, we, we all hope for the best. None of us wake up in the morning hoping to have a bad day. But we also know that we very um, well could have a bad day. And so today we're talking about destiny. We're talking about calling. And we're talking about how faith really plays a huge part in all of it. Our text today is First Samuel 17. And um, this is a text that is about David and David and Goliath. We, we often hear of the story of David and Goliath, but I want to talk more specifically about the things that prepared David um, so that he could defeat the giant Goliath. So we're going to be in Samuel 17, verses 31 is where we're going to start. At this time, the Israelites are at war with the Philistines. And there is this giant, his name is Goliath, and and he has challenged anybody to come and fight him one-on-one. And no one in Israel would do so. And we pick up in verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him again. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Speaking of Goliath, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he said to a, uh, and he's had, sorry, you are but a youth. And he has been a man from of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine, I love that he just throws that insult in there. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. All right. So we have this awesome story. And if you could tell from my sermon title, we're mostly going to be talking about that lion and bear. And I believe there are six things we can learn from this passage. Um, The first is hardships prepare you for greater things. Hardships prepare you for greater things. They often don't seem like it in the moment. But when you look back at the things you learned, the lessons that you learned from those hard times, you look back and you say, man, I've grown. Like, I feel stronger today because of those things. Hardships prepare us for the greater things to come. And so with David, um, David saying, hey, like, I was a shepherd and a lion would pop up and I I would kill the lion. A bear popped up and tried to attack my sheep. I would kill the bear. And I've had to, I've had these other smaller battles in my life. But he's saying, I have learned that those things have prepared me for today to defeat this giant. It gave him boldness. 
hardships prepare you for greater things. You know that uh, bear wrestling is like a real thing. Did you know that? It's a real thing. I think it's been illegalized in some places, but it's a real thing. They, they, they take a professional wrestler, and they muzzle the bear, and they declaw the bear, and they just go at it in a ring. <laughs> like, it's definitely like borderline, if not definitely, animal abuse. <laughs> uh, but it's a real thing. There's a long history all the way back to the 1700s of whoever the best wrestler in the world. He would go, I've defeated every man. It's time I fight a bear. And it just became this thing that they did for a couple hundred years where they would fight bears. Of course, they had to remove the weaponry of the bear, though. They had to muzzle the bear. They had to remove the claws because a, a, a bear with his uh, natural weapons um, is going to destroy any man. But not David, right? <laughs> David's like, he's like, I didn't muzzle it. I didn't declaw it. I just went after that thing. I just took it by the beard and I took it down. That's what I like about David. Um, lion taming is often a phrase that's used for taming hardships in your life or, or overcoming difficult things. I've tamed that thing. I've tamed the lion, so to speak. Um, and David... It wasn't a saying. This was real for him. He actually defeated a lion and a bear, and it prepared him for the greater things. And James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I was going, I was at the dining room table last night, I was working on this sermon, trying to adjust some of my notes and scriptures, and Melissa was working on some stuff, I think, for the baptisms later today, uh, getting food ready and everything, and I looked at her, and I was like, you know, I was like, I think I use this verse about every fifth message. <laughs> and I was like, I really think I use it about that much. Like, I talk about it all the time. And I was like, it's because I'm not even sure that I get it. And so I'm assuming that nobody else in the room fully has wrapped our minds around the truth of the scripture. And that's why we need to hear it so often. James says, count it as joy. That's a mathematical term. He's not saying feel happy, but he's saying count it as joy. Consider it as joy because of the result. That's what he's talking about here. Because various trials, right? Not just some types of trials. All kinds of trials will hit all of our lives. And we need to know that it's testing our faith. And if we stand firm, if we persevere, um, it produces this steadfastness. And it has a full effect that we become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God uses the hardships in our lives to, to really build us up for greater things. He uses it to increase our faith, to make us more steadfast. Now, of course, none of us want to ask for trials. None of us are happy about it, but we know as believers, that God's word is true, and God says that these things will prepare us for greater things. And David looked back and he said, yeah, I didn't maybe enjoy risking my life for the sheep. I didn't enjoy taking that bear down, but I look back and I know that God allowed those bears and those sheep to attack my flock to prepare me for this day so I could slay this giant. The next point that I have and that I take from this text is that callings are revealed one step at a time. 
Callings are revealed one step at a time. Now, we often think of our lives and we do dream of this distant future destiny, this, this calling, this arrival point that we hope to get to. Like many of us, we, we dream of this future. If only I could, I could have that job, if I could serve the church in this way, if I could be, have this many Instagram uh, followers, whatever it may be. You maybe dream of this thing far in the future or hopefully you're hoping it will come sooner than um, that, but you're thinking of this thing that you would like to accomplish, but um, oftentimes we don't know for sure if that thing is God's will. I believe that God's calling on our lives is revealed one step at a time. One of Melissa's favorite movies is uh, What About Bob, right? Did you have that famous, that famous scene where he's like, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. And that's exactly it. It's one step at a time. David couldn't just go from little shepherd boy to fighting giants. Right? He had to be faithful in the thing that was right before him, which was tending to his flock which was taking care of his sheep. And then he, he slayed a lion, he slayed a bear, and God kind of revealed his destiny, revealed his calling one step at a time. Which brings me to my third, well, let's actually read this first. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. We must focus in on the current step. And so into it so that as things progress in your life, you're sowing in for good fruit so that one day you can reap those things. I think we have this tendency to get caught up on that future thing and we kind of despise the day of small things. We, we despise the day we're in right now. And so instead of really serving God in the moment, doing the thing that's right before you in the moment to the best of your ability. We go, this isn't what I wanted, so I'll just quit. Well, that thing was preparing you for the next thing, but you quit because you didn't realize it. So you sow into each day. If you want to reap better fruit in the future, start sowing seeds now. Because if you sow bad seeds right now, guess what? In your future, you're going to be reaping bad fruit. But if you sow good things here and now and today, you will reap the reward later. Callings are revealed one step at a time, which brings me to my third one. Progression is good. We would all love to jump to the last level, right? That final accomplishment, that final thing that we'll be known for. But we're not ready for it. Progression is good. It is good to start small and work your way up. Josh started his own personal training business, right? And I've uh, been pumping iron with him. And uh, I told Josh, I was like, I want to be the buffest pastor in all the land. (laughs) And he's like, you got a ways to go. (laughs) Long ways to go. we go over there, and, and Josh is kind of evaluating my weights. He's evaluating where I can get the maximum uh, workout, but not too little and not too much. If Josh just dropped the full weight on me, I would fail immediately. I would not be able to lift it. And progression is good, and hopefully one day I'll be able to lift more as I continue to work out. But progression is good. It's good to start small. It's good to be realistic with where you're at in your calling and with your abilities and and grow. 
on to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. And we get so impatient, especially like in our 20s, right? I feel like by people in their 30s, I, I tend to think that they're in the 40s and 50s. These people tend to go, you know what? Steps are good. But in your 20s, you're like, I want to be a millionaire now. I want to <laughs> like, I want the perfect job now. I need it now. And God's like, no, you're not ready for any of these things. You're not ready for what your calling is. You're not ready yet. I'm preparing you. I'm not saying that everybody's calling is to be a millionaire uh, or to have a perfect job. You know, one of, the, one of the most amazing things I ever heard somebody say, and I think about it all the time because of the sincerity of it, was a good friend of mine. He's a youth pastor now. He, he's doing a lot, of, a lot of great work. But I remember when we were in Bible college together, and we would talk about, what's your calling? What, what do you want to do with your life? What's your big dream? He'd always say, I just want to be a really good dad. Because my dad was not. And I just want to be a really good dad for a family. He's like, that's what I feel called to. Now, he's doing a lot of other great things in his life. But he's just like, at, like he sincerely, sincerely wants to just be the great, a great father. And I think that the simplicity of that it is beautiful, <laughs> right? And uh, it's all like he, like I think on that sometimes, and it reminds me like God has called us to do great things that maybe you won't be famous for, but they're still great things, right? Because we think of these destinies, and we we kind of include fame with it a lot of times, or or some measurable success in society. And there's a lot of things that you may be called to do and God wants you to do them well and he considers them great that nobody's really going to know that you did. <laughs> Only a few, you know. Progression is good. Well, the reason that progression is good is my fourth point is because victory brings confidence. If David had not defeated the lion and the bear, he wouldn't have had the confidence to defeat the giant. And so it's very similar to progression um, being good is that one step at a time, you're, you're able to take on more. But as you're having all those small victories, your faith is growing. Your confidence is growing. And uh, <laughs> sorry. And uh, you will be prepared for greater victories. You will have confidence when victories arise. It's all right. <laughs> It's a good song. Like, I like it. Like, we need to add that to the Before Church playlist. Uh, br- victory brings confidence. In small things, we begin to see victory. And over time, we're, like those bigger challenges arise and we go, this giant will be slayed by the power of God just like that lion and bear. But it takes those other victories to build you to have that sort of confidence and faith. I love that David says, oh, this dance is going to be slayed like the rest. Like his confidence is so built up. But a lot of times we, we don't realize that these little victories are so important, that they're so vital, that we re- and that we should remember those things so that when bigger challenges arise, we start to go, that's nothing. It's nothing for my God. I've seen him do plenty of things. Why couldn't he do this? But if you jump ahead and you get into those giant challenges too soon or these you jump ahead to your calling too quickly, you may lose faith. You may not have the confidence. 
So if you feel that you don't have the confidence that you should, if you feel that your faith is weak, if you're not sure you can stand up and move forward, what should we do? Well, we should pray for confidence. We should pray for boldness. When Jesus died and he rose again, and he promises his Holy Spirit, right? And then he, he ascends to heaven. He's like, see you later. Peace. And they receive the Holy Spirit. And the, and the church in Acts, they start growing and thousands and thousands are coming to the Lord. And they're doing real community and real church. And the things that they're doing are amazing. And then what happens? Persecution starts. And it hasn't really stopped, right? It's stopped here or there for little pockets in the world. But overall, persecution has, has not stopped. Per- persecution arose in Acts chapter 4, and it has not stopped. And what did the believers pray? We'll read in Acts 4.29. And now look, or sorry, and now Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants that they would stop persecuting us. No. They said, and Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to seek your word with all Boldness. They pray for boldness. They were aware that the trials, the hardships, the persecution would not stop. Because they knew there was an enemy that hated the gospel. They were in the moment being realist, right? They knew that persecution wasn't going anywhere. So they didn't pray for the persecution to stop. They prayed for boldness. They pray for the Spirit to strengthen them. And I love that it says all boldness, not just some boldness. Right? We need boldness in every part of our lives. We really do. We need to be bold. We need to stand firm. We need faith that God will work in every single moment and every single part of our lives. I love that they prayed for all boldness. Because I think sometimes we're content to be bold in some areas of our life and not other areas of our life. We're content to be bold in the gospel at some places, but not at our workplaces. We're confident to read scripture and talk to people at community group, (laughs) but not in the streets. They prayed for all boldness, not just some boldness. I love that. It's so important that we, we... Look at all the little victories, and that will help bring about confidence, boldness, and faith. But if we don't have it, if you ever find yourself weak or without faith or without confidence, pray for it. God will give it to you. He can give it to you, absolutely. My fifth point is sort of a reality check. And that's our purpose is in Christ. Our destiny is in Christ. Because we think of like this destiny, this, this calling, and, and we, we really think of it as this thing on earth that we'll accomplish. And you may very well, there may, like maybe that thing you're dreaming of, you may very well get to do it. Or you might die. <laughs> right? Or you just might die. Right? Like, I'm sure all of the disciples went out and they're all like, I'm going to reach this area. I'm going to reach that area. And then slowly they just, they were doing it. But some of them died pretty early on, right? James is dead in Acts. He doesn't get to live as long as the others, right? Saul's like, I'm going to preach the gospel to Rome. He gets to Rome, preaches the gospel, he dies, right? Like, you might get to accomplish that thing or you might just die. And that is so negative sounding, but we have to have a reality check on what our destiny actually is. Because if you're living for that thing in the future that you'll accomplish in your life and it doesn't happen, where's your hope? Has to be in Christ. 
Our destiny is in Christ. 2 Corinthians 4. This is a powerful passage. a long passage. Follow with me. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus sake so that the life of Christ also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. He's like, like, our destiny is in Jesus. Like, even if we die, we still win. Even if we're struck down, even if we are persecuted, we're not forsaken by him. Our destiny is in him. And if we die, we still win. Because we're going to be with him eternally. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. That is so essential. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul says we just keep going despite all of these trials, despite the persecution, and we do not lose heart because we're living for that next life. We're living for an eternal glory that is beyond all comparison. And in light of that, he calls the afflictions like death, like not just like, oh, I had a flat tire. You know, like my friends and my family were murdered. He calls them momentary afflictions. You have to have this eternal mindset to be able to say things like that, don't you? Because I don't know if I could say that. <laughs> like to call that just a momentary affliction. All my friends are being murdered. I might be murdered or tortured. Like that seems a bit more than a momentary affliction, but in the light of the glory of heaven, our destiny in heaven, in Christ, as co-heirs with Christ, we're children of God, will never die, there will never be pain, there will never be sorrow again. We'll have perfect relationship with the Father endlessly. <laughs> like In comparison, it certainly is a momentary affliction. So, what do we do when, like, that all sounds great, but our hearts aren't quite there yet? What do we do? Well, there's a very famous woman in Scripture who I believe is remembered for the wrong thing. And that's Abraham's wife, Sarah. 
God promised Abraham and Sarah a child, but they got really, really old. Like, just like their bodies are like old and they're, they're, they're increasing in age. And, and God comes in the flesh and with two angels, a group of three men, and they speak to them and they're like, you're going to have a child this time next year. Sarah was in the tent, and what did she do? She laughed, and that's how we remember Sarah. She laughed at God. She laughed at his promise. She wasn't a woman of faith. She laughed. And he calls her out. He's like, you laughed. And she's like, no, no, I didn't. He's like, yes, you did. Yes, you did. I'm God. Even if you laughed in your head, I know. You know what it says in Hebrews 11? The hall of faith. She judged him faithful. Let's read that. Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. That's how we need to remember Sarah. Because I certainly don't, I certainly don't want people remembering from my moments of doubt. From my moments of weakness. <laughs> I want to be remembered for having grown, for having to begin to trust the Lord in a new way. This is how the Bible wants us to remember Sarah. Yes, she laughed. She had a moment where she laughed at the promises of God. But something happened in her afterward where she was able to conceive by her faith in his promise. She believed that it would happen, and so it did. She actually became a woman of faith. And so today, maybe you're sitting there, you're like, I'm not like this great person of faith. Like, I just doubt a lot of things. I'm not a person of confidence. I'm not seeing a lot of victory in my life. I kind of laugh at some of the promises of God. I laugh when people say he can heal me or he can do this or that. In my mind, I just go, (laughs) you don't have to stay there. You can also be remembered for great faith. What do we do? Well, it's the things we've been talking about. Look at today. Look at the hardships and go, all right, God's going to use this. It's really going through these first five. Look at these hardships and say, they're going to prepare me for greater things. That I'm going to take one step at a time and just trust God to, to lead me, to take me down the path that he wants me to go, just one step at a time. I'm going to realize that progression is good. I'm going to start small and work my way up. I'm going to realize all these victories will give me confidence for greater victories in the future. And I'm going to always remember that my destiny is ultimately in Christ. You start thinking that way. You start looking at each day, each challenge, each hardship, each relationship that way. You'll start sowing some really good seed. And you'll look back on your life and you'll go, man, like I have grown. I'm not that same person anymore. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to believe that God can do bigger and greater things in every part of my life. In any hardship, anything that pops up, I'm going to take it day by day, trusting him. And even if it leads to my death, and I don't get to do those things I dream about, I know that I have the ultimate dream, the ultimate future, which is in Christ. Are you with me? 
And that's why we celebrate communion. And we're going to, today as well, we're going to partake of communion. We partake of communion because all this is possible because Jesus laid his life down, building a bridge to fill the gap between us and God, to restore relationship, to reconcile us to him. In Luke twenty-two nineteen, it says, And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is a new covenant in my blood. So today is uh, doing the last bit of worship. Come up at your own timing. Take a cup and a piece of bread. You can take it back to your seat and remember, truly remember what he's done for you specifically. If you lack faith, if you lack boldness, if you lack strength, if you, if you feel like Satan's got you down, you've got sin in your life you feel like you're not able to get rid of, whatever it is, you can ask right now for God to give you strength, to give you boldness, to give you confidence, to work in you. And then you can know that you will not be remembered for your weaknesses, but because in Christ you have a new identity. You have a new calling. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in our church. I thank you for every single person that is here today, God. I pray that we would truly remember what you have done for us, to not take it lightly. That we would sincerely partake of communion, requesting you to make changes in our life. That we would come repentantly and and partake of the cup and the bread, knowing that there is power in the gospel. There is power in this truth, and we do this knowing that you have power over our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.